Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app slash breadbox. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me, my heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from Thy eyes, when I sit down and Pray Mary, who is the mother of God, mother of church, mother of each and one of us, each and every one of us, and thanks for the Hail Holy Queen and blessed Herman the Cripple, right? Yes. Mary is our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Let's start with Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Just know the uh, spiritual director to be with us is the Holy Spirit. Very good to have the Holy Spirit with us. He's our guide, our counselor. He's our consoler. Holy Spirit is also the uh, bond of love between the Father and the Son. Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father. Mutual love between the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. It's also known as the paraclete. And the gift of gifts, that's the gift we should be begging for on a daily basis, the gift of gifts. Sometimes we struggle with prayer. We're not born as mystics. So, good news. Romans chapter 8. We don't know how to pray as we ought. Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so we can say, Abba, Father. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of, humbly to give us a lot of light, a lot of peace, a lot of joy, and the fire of divine love that he gave the apostles on Pentecost, as we sing. <coughs> Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. 
melt me, mold me, fill me, use me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, now on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Fill us, use us, strengthen us, be with us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Fall afresh on us. Fall afresh on us. Valeria Guadalupe. Saint Joseph. Saint Michael. Saint Raphael. Saint Gabriel. Saint Ignatius. Saint Faustina. Saint Angel. All God's angels and saints, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. You're welcome all to our Perseverance family. We have a lot to cover this morning, as always. So, uh, what are we going to start on this very special day? Father, just yesterday, we entered into a very special season, that of Advent. Could you give us a brief orientation as to the meaning and importance of this liturgical season? Very, very, you, you, you pose your questions very well. I really like the way you've composed, constructed these sentences. Good, very good. I'm glad you asked me that. Yes, we started uh, Advent yesterday, and we enter into the new church year, actually. New church year starts in Advent. Advent is a beautiful season of preparation, especially for Christmas. And uh, Christmas in the world can be somewhat of a pagan celebration of eating and drinking and buying. We have to know the reason for the season. The purpose of Advent is to prepare us to encounter our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The most famous birthday in the world is the birthday of Christ in the stable of Bethlehem. So the better the preparation for this wonderful birthday, the more abundant the graces. One of the symbols of Advent is the Advent wreath. Spanish is called Corona de Adviento, okay? the crown of Advent. And it's uh, very symbolic. It's circular, it's not a triangle. The circle has no beginning, has no end. God has no beginning, no end. So it expresses God's eternity. We had a beginning, but we don't have an end. 
that God is eternal and infinite. How about green? Green is a color of hope. In the midst of struggles of life, we have to have hope. Probably about to say, I hope so. <laughs> That's wishful thinking. You know? Hope. It's a, it's a uh, theological virtue. I like uh, pithy, short, concise ways of expressing theological truths. Faith, hope, and charity. Faith, I believe. Hope, I trust. Charity, I love. Amen? Amen. You like that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Faith, I believe. Hope, I trust. Charity, I love. God, my mind, my neighbor. Easy to remember, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, green. Green is a color of hope. I think the first short little poem I wrote, I was probably eight years old, and it goes like this. Related to the, the color. Green is the grass on the ground. Green is the money I have found. <laughs> I think that person that lost the money was hoping that he, someone would restore it, right? <laughs> Wishful hoping, right? <laughs> and then you you have candles. Candles you put on a birthday cake, right? We celebrated maybe a birthday yesterday, no? It was a birthday cake, and um, after singing happy birthday, got to blow out those candles. And today they're actually trick candles. The more you blow, the, the, the less they go out, right? <laughs> So with Jesus, we have these candles pointing to the fact that it's his birthday. And there are four candles. Sometimes Advent is, is only a little bit more than three weeks. It depends on when we begin. But always, and I underline always, there will be four Sundays in Advent. You might be saying, well, Father, four candles, I thought that there were five candles. Hmm. Well, let's count them. Three candles are purple. Then there's a pink candle, right? Purple points to penance and conversion. There's another season which the priest wears purple. When is that? Lent. Lent. So the priest wears the purple stole when he's confessing, right? Yes. If you're ever going to confession, he's got this long drape over his neck. Perfect, perfect. He wears a stole. Sometimes I can't find the stole, and I said, who stole my stole? S-T-O-L-E, <laughs> <laughs> S-T-O-H-L, right? That's yeah. the difference, yeah. huh? And the pink is symbolic of joy. We will light that candle the third week of Advent because we're joyful over the fact that Jesus is about to be born. That's a source of joy, isn't it? Yes. As Philippians says, Rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice in the Lord. 
But then there is a fifth one that you can put in the very middle, and that's actually on Christmas. It's not purple. It's not pink. It's white. For the birthday of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So Advent. It's already the 30th of November, the last day of the month of November. Tomorrow we enter into December. How fast time flies when you're in good company, right? Yes. So, before you know it, Christmas will be approaching closer and closer. So, it's a good idea now to make some type of proposal or proposals to get closer to Christ. And it might be this. If you're in your home and there's a bag of junk in between you and the kitchen sink, a real big one, plastic bag, probably would be a good idea to not to just to contemplate that bag of junk all the Advent season, right? Take a picture there and kind of be looking at it and praying before that. That, that that bag of junk. I don't think that's a really good Ignatian contemplation, is it? No, it's not. It could be, because God can use everything. They could say, well, that junk outside, I got junk within, no? <laughs> <laughs> I got to throw that in the dumpster. Two points, maybe three points, right? I got to get rid of my moral garbage, as they say in French, right? Yeah. My moral garbage, right? Yeah. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to um, make a good confession. Can I tell you a story? Yesterday in Relevant Radio, on the app, Conversation with God, I try to listen to that to kind of set the stage for what we're going to talk about. You know, a lot of good ideas. One was the following. In the year 1988, the beginning of Advent, I think, was the first Sunday of Advent, Pope John Paul II was still Pope. He's going to be Pope until 2005. And he's giving a, he's giving a, a talk to 2,000 children. 2,000 children. And he asked them, okay, Christmas is getting close. It's going to be the birthday of Jesus. What is the gift you're going to give to Jesus. In Italian, pregare, preghiere. We'll offer, we'll offer some prayers. And the Pope said, very good. But I'm going to ask you to give another, another gift to Jesus. Little kids, all ears, no? He says, I want you all to go to confession. And he asked you, will you go to confession? And they said, Si, Santo Padre. Yes, Holy Father. Then, after he heard this acclamation of, yes, we will go to confession, kind of a lower voice, the Pope says, the Pope is going to go to confession too. Wow. Sometimes people think, Priest, you got to go to confession too. You're not supposed to be going to confession. You're supposed to hear confessions. 
So this may be a big, big shock to you. <coughs> but you know, we were born with original sin too. We have to go to confession too. And I really believe this. The secret of being a good confessor is you have to be a good penitent. Amen? Amen. How can we dispense the mercy of God if we have not ex experienced God's mercy ourselves? What do you think? Can't give what you don't have, right? So that's the first story. Then, with your permission, I'd like to tell another story. Then we'll get into a lot of material we have to cover today, right? Yes. Yesterday, I was um, having a very... Um, good meal with the, with the priests. The meal was great, but the company was even better. Amen, right? Amen. <laughs> we never want to put the tacos or the pizza above the people, right? And uh, Father Craig told me a story that he used in his homily, so I use this in my second Mass. I like it. Very much related to this topic. And there's a story of this uh, young man that told St. John Bosco a dream he had. And this young man was doing a lot of good works, acts of charity, service, a lot of good works, which is good. So one night he had a dream. He had a dream of the Blessed Mother. And he's offering a lot of these good works of the Blessed Mother because he had great devotion to her. And uh, Mary appeared to him, and there was a um, platter filled with luscious fruit. Imagine it. No? The Italians like figs, no? Fresh figs, no? Not fig Newtons, but fresh figs, okay? And they're like uh, apples and pears. Italians, they like fruit. They lived in Italy for seven years. But on top of that fruit was a, was a polluted rag, which uh, was actually the first reading of Isaiah yesterday. Your, your works are like polluted rags. And uh, Mary said to the boy, hey, dig in and eat. <laughs> it's like having oatmeal and you're spreading um, dirt on top of it, right? And the, and the boy said, oh, Mary, I'm not going to eat that. I don't want to eat fruit with a, with a polluted rag on top. And she said, you know, please with all these good works you're doing, but there's some polluted rag within your soul that you have to get rid of. Probably doing a lot of good works, but maybe we have a polluted rag in our cellar, in our room, in our kitchen. What should we do with that polluted rag? Well, if we've got Scottish blood, you'll probably wash it and use it again, but you might just discard it, right? <laughs> just get rid of it. Like that story? Yes, I love it. Two wonderful stories, no? Yes, yes. Related to Advent, Advent. Is it time also called to get closer to Christ? We have to try to get rid of the, get rid of the trash. Because we're not going to be sitting in our condo room and just contemplating these huge 
plastic bag filled with garbage when you're having your meal. You're kind of looking at that. That's your your center of attention, right? Yes. <laughs> I doubt it, no? no? Better be having the image of the Divine Mercy and Our Lady Guadalupe, right? Yes. So let's try to get rid of that that trash that we have within us. Yes. Good idea? Yes, great idea. Well, right. So, um, little by little, we're going through the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and we've arrived at number 181. And these are bullet points which are summarizing what we've ever already done. Can we read that now? Yes, Father. Believing is an ecclesial act. The Church's faith precedes, engenders, supports, and nourishes our faith. The Church is the mother of all believers. No one can have God as Father who does not have the Church as Mother. That's strong, isn't it? I've said this before, and I think this is the time to reiterate it. Especially in the, um, I'd say the younger generation. We are we who are a little bit more older and seasoned, uh, and uh, practicing our faith for several decades. Uh, we see through the, the specious reasoning of the devil that imbues so many of our young people. And it's well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Bible. I like to read the Gospels. But I just simply, I don't like the church. I don't like the church. Because the church has got so many, so many bad things. The church is filled with hypocrites. I'll often say, well, there's room for one more if you want to come, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club. In a certain sense, it's true, there's hypocrisy within the church, and there's a lot of scandals. But uh, there's a lot of good within the church, and instead of pointing your finger condemning the church, try to build up the church. We can either construct or we can tear down. We're called to build up. Build up. That's what edify means, to build up. Let's, we're called to build up the church and not to tear it down. So what you, uh, what you read from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 181, quoting that saint, that's, uh, that's very strong language, isn't it? He who does not have the church as mother does not have God as father. Strong, strong language, right? If you really get to know ecclesiology well, there's a certain parallel between the church as mother and the Blessed Mother as our mother. Yeah. Often there's an interplay between the church is uh, in the encyclical of John the 23rd, which is Mater e Magistra, the church's mother and teacher, and Mary is Mater Ecclesio. She was proclaimed that by Vatican II. Mary's the mother of the church. Sure, you've heard of St. Louis de Montfort. We gave a true devotion. He says, he who does not have Mary as mother does not have God as father. Strong words. Yes. But there's a parallel between that 
as well as um, what you just read in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So if we want to get to grow deeper and deeper in our faith, it cannot be separated from our insertion within the church. So instead of criticizing, condemning the church, make the church a better place by becoming a saint. The Christopher movement, its motto is the following. This is worthy of memorizing. Better, better for us to light a candle in the dark than to curse the darkness. If you go out and you curse the darkness, is that going to bring light? No. You're walking, you stub your toe, and you oh boy. By cursing the darkness, I think it's going to become more dark. But if you light a candle, you light a candle, you walk in the darkness, you're able to see. Just make sure that there, you, there's no wind and you don't sneeze, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's our comment. Uh, I really like going through this catechism. Isn't, isn't it wonderful? It's beautiful. You know, if we keep coming to our Perseverance family and we're learning the catechism of the Catholic Church, we're going to be well-educated Catholics and we'll be able to defend our faith. We have to have literate, well-educated Catholics that are able to defend their faith. I'm giving you a little bit of apologetics because the younger generation is saying, I don't like the church. I don't like the church. Well, you really can't say that because Jesus goes up to heaven and he says, I'll be with you always until the end of time. Where is he? In the church. He's present in his mystical body, which is the church. Amen? Amen. So right now, the third question is very important spend a little bit of time on this, God willing. Father, how about the saint that we celebrate today? Who is this saint, and what about his life and message? I thought you might ask that, because I, I noticed that you you, you ask questions on the last things, you ask questions on the catechism very often. You didn't surprise me by that question. <laughs> you really didn't. No, you didn't catch me off guard. I was kind of anticipating you maybe Ask me that question. So thank you. You're welcome. Today, the last day of November, we celebrate St. Andrew. Can we talk about him? Yes. Thank you. St. Andrew. Let's start with the name. The etymology of Andrew means, Spanish is varonil. How's your Spanish? It means manly, strong. And you'll see why that name is appropriate. By the way, he dies. Uh, he doesn't die of a heart attack or a car accident. He's going to die in a way that's going to be very impressive. But I'll leave that. I'll leave you as a, as a cliffhanger. Okay. Andrew. Andrew uh, was brought, brought up and raised in Bethesda, beside it rather, <coughs> which is uh, close to Lake Galley. And uh, he had a brother, it was a very well-known brother, it happens to be Simon Peter. So both of them, they were, by profession, they were fishermen. So they lived very close 
um, to Galilee in a little town called Capharnaum. And that was their house, very close to the sea. So they were professional fishermen. They were probably pretty good. And they had a couple of fishing pals, whom they called fishing buddies. And they, their name was James and John. And they were the sons of Zebedee. So they would, they would fish, but often they would collaborate, work together. They'll be able to fare the, share the fish at the end of the day, right? <laughs> Which that sounds like, like a fishy deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like your use of words. <laughs> fishy word, fishy deal, no? Yeah. Doesn't always smell good, does it? No. <laughs> so this is what happens. <clears throat> Andrew is a very religious man, and apparently John the Evangelist seem to be seem to be friends. Work were compatible, but they seem to be friends. They seem to be on the same wavelength. So they're really searching for the Messiah. And there's a man who is forming them in spirituality, their spiritual director. That man is, happens to be John the Baptist. Pretty good formator, huh? Yes. Good novice master, huh? Yes, very good. <laughs> So, they're being formed by John the Baptist. John the Baptist is teaching them about uh, God, about the Messiah, about the coming of the Savior, teaching them the importance of prayer and penance, all those important elements of the spiritual life. But there's a key moment. One occasion, Andrew and John the Evangelist are with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist sees someone walking. It happens to be, guess who? Jesus. It's Jesus. And he points to him and he says, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So they get up and they leave John the Baptist. And they're following Jesus. So Jesus is walking. They catch up to him. They're following him. And Jesus apparently hears their footsteps. Jesus could hear well. He turns around. He looks at them. He says, Who are you looking for? And they say, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where do you live? And he says, come and see. So they go with him. And they spend the whole afternoon with Jesus. Wouldn't you like to have been there? Yes, Father. When I get to heaven, I'd like to say, Lord, can I, can I just see what went on in that, in that conversation between you and those two, uh, two men? I think the Lord's going to grant you that gift. What do you think? Yes. You can ask for it too. Yes, that's a great gift. <laughs> and John the Evangelist actually says that was four o'clock in the afternoon, specifying 
that critical moment in which they had this real encounter with Christ. When was your four o'clock? When was your encounter with Christ? I think we all have our own Damascus experience, our Pamplona experience, our garden experience, in which God is knocking at the door of our heart and we open up the door. So that was a key moment in the life of Andrew. But let's follow up. I mean, I, I, I've had, uh, over the past couple of years, just a special devotion to Andrew, St. Andrew. You know? And uh, there's not too much about him, but the, what, the, what, the, what the Bible, the, the Gospels speak about him is enough to piece together a pretty good biographical profile of this great saint. By the way, what I've just recounted to you can be found in John chapter 1. Okay, Remember that? John chapter 1, you got the prologue, which we're going to be reading Christmas, uh, Christmas Mass. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, beautiful, isn't it? No? But right after that, we have, the, you ha we have Jesus calling his first, uh, his first disciples. So I've just recounted that now in my own words. Now, if you were to find a treasure, there's one or two things you can do. You find the treasure, keep it to yourself. Or you could share the treasure with another person. Sometimes there are people that are egotistic, they just keep it to themselves. So instead of theology, it's meology, right? Instead of a Christocentric life, we have an egocentric life. Andrew was the type of person that if he found a treasure, he could not keep it to himself. He had to share it. So he runs off after this encounter with Christ and he tracks down his brother, Simon Peter. And he says, we have found, we've actually found the Messiah. Come and see. So he's the one that brings Simon Peter to Jesus. Had Peter already known the Lord? Possibly. Had he spoken with him individually? Maybe not. So you see this connection between Jesus and Peter, Andrew's the bridge. There's a lot there. There's a lot there for us. How is Christ going to be known if no one talks about Christ? You're called to bring, you're, you're called to bring Christ to others and others to Christ. What you're doing and listening right now is not something academic. So you went to college, you finished your college, you put the books on the shelf, they're there for 45 years, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dust them off. Yeah. But rather, we're called to share. So by sharing our faith, we actually grow in our faith. So see, Angel brings others to Christ. Okay. The Gospel for today, Luke chapter 4, is the following. 
Peter, James, John, and Andrew, they're all fishing. So Jesus goes along the lake, shore of Galilee, and um, they're mending their nets. And Jesus says, come and follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Guess what they did? Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Andrew. They leave their boat. They leave their nets. They leave their fishing. James and John leave their father Zebedee. They leave everything to follow Christ. So you see, the first thing I recounted was Jesus has called them, but they're still kind of coming and going. Mm -hmm. They're still seem to be practicing their fish their fishing business pretty regularly, and nothing wrong with that. No, mm -hmm. it's important to work, right? Yes. So we're called uh, we're called to work uh, to carry out our obligation. So Jesus actually goes and he, and he calls them when they're doing their work. They're doing God's will. So we should be carrying out our work and God can speak to us even in our work, right? Yes. We're doing what God wants us to do. We can't always be you know, 24-7 in the church. We can't do that. We're not Kermit the Hermit that lost his permit, right? <laughs> We're called to do God's will. So some people might have to go to work right now, right? So recognize you're doing God's will by carrying out your work. Amen? Amen. Okay, good. Then uh, there are other, there are other um, elements uh, in the Gospels which point to the person of Andrew. And it's this. Jesus is preaching to the multitude. And uh, it's getting late. And the people in the thousands have brought nothing to eat. And they couldn't stop at a McDonald's or a Taco Bell or, or a Domino's Pizza on the way back, could they? No. This fast food is a, is a, is a modern phenomenon. Yes. So the apostles tell Jesus to let the people go home and uh, maybe get some food at a nearby place. And Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And they say, well, we don't have anything here. There's, there's a boy who's brought five loaves and fish. So Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fish. Do you know the person that introduced this little boy to Jesus? Is it Andrew? You're, you're right. It was actually St. Andrew that, that introduced this, poison, this person to Christ. Very interesting. He in introduces Peter to Jesus, now this little boy. In other words, Andrew seems to be very, um, very observant. He's aware of what's going on, right? Yes. He doesn't have his head in the sand, does yeah. he? No. He's able to, Vatican II, read the signs of the times, be able to interpret God's reality with, with respect to persons, places, and events. Another 
Andrew also, he meets the Greeks. And he actually brings the Greeks to Christ. So we see in the person of Andrew, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said about him. Yes. For that reason, uh, vocational directors will actually have what's called an Andrew meal. Andrew meal inviting prospect vocation to the priesthood. Why would it be Andrew meal? Because Andrew is always bringing people to Christ. He's kind of like a bridge, a conduit. Yes. Bringing people to Christ. So we're called to do that also. To bring people to Christ. But also we're called to foster vocations. You know why? Because the harvest is rich. The harvest is abundant, very rich, but the laborers are few. In Isaiah, we'll point out, and St. Paul quotes him in Romans, how can we believe if there's how can we believe in our faith if there's no one to preach the word of God? Because preaching that believing comes through preaching and hearing. And as Saint Paul quoting Isaiah said, Blessed are the feet of those who bring the good news. Blessed are the feet. Blessed are those who are preachers, what we're trying to do right now, bring the good news of salvation to the whole world. I'd like to make two other comments on the person of St. Andrew. If I could do that? Please. Because I think it's very important to get note. This is one of the this is one of the twelve apostles, one of the, the pillars of our Catholic faith. And it's this. Who were the uh, okay, so we got the seventy two disciples, right? Yes. Got the twelve apostles that were chosen by Jesus. Yes. So these are the the friends of Christ, the disciples, and you have the um, closer friends, the apostles. Was there an inner group within yes. the twelve? Yes. Who was it? The three: Peter, James, and John. Right. He's. Those who are present with Jesus when the daughter of Jairus is raised from the dead, yes. when Jesus is on the Mount of the Transfiguration, yes. and the Garden of, Gets and the Garden of Gethsemane. Yes. Where's Andrew? Now, let's think a little bit about that. Andrew and John were the first to be called, before Peter. Yes, they were. And before James. You're using logic now, so it should really be Peter, John, and Andrew. I was using logic. Right? It would seem like it. Yeah, hey, I, me and John, we're the first to be called. Hey, hey. That's right. Very interesting. But Jesus chose Peter, John, and James, who's the brother of John. Let's talk a little bit about that. If Andrew did not have a noble character, very he could have very easily given in to jealousy, envy, 
anger, chismes, gossip, bitterness, rivalry. If we live, if we live on a human natural level, that's the flesh, mm -hmm. right? Yes, it is. And it's so, so common in our lives where we're not always, we're, we're, someone is preferred above us. That's tough. Yes. Very tough. Yes. And one of the reasons why you have sibling rivalry in your family is if you have one more than one child, and, and many of you have more than one child, is... One of your children feels that you you prefer, or your husband prefer, one of your children over the other, and they're keenly aware of this. And because of this, there's fighting. Mm -hmm. Even though the kids don't always know this, but there's a certain wound, a certain hurt within. Mm -hmm. So you see the noble character of Andrew. Yes. That he could have he could have talked to the Lord in private and said, you know, Lord. That, that that James guy, <laughs> I know him. We 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 fish together. By the way, I'm a little bit better fisherman than him anyway. No, <laughs> me and Pete, we know the lake a little bit better. We catch more fish, and you know he's kind of subordinate, relegated to the second place. <laughs> yeah. He could have said that. Yes, no? okay. Comparing themselves. So try not to compare yourself to others. Don't don't focus so much on what other people are doing, but focus on what God wants you to do. And as St. Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Because if we're always focusing upon others, we're never going to concentrate and focus on what God wants us to do. Right? Right. All right. Now, Andrew was not perfect, like we have our own limitations. Good Friday. Good Friday, when Jesus was arrested and crucified, underneath the cross was Mary Magdalene, the Blessed Mother, and St. John the Evangelist. Angel was not there. He gave in to fear, probably. You know, because the disciples of Christ could have been fearful that if Jesus was their master, they were the disciples, they would end up in the same way. And I don't think they wanted to be crucified. No. Even that though, was a real fear. Even though it's going to happen later. Yes. And I'll give you a hint, we're talking about the person today. <laughs> Who will be, no? Yes, yes. But I don't think they're ready for that yet. We just take one step at a time and carry the cross that God has given to us just one step at a time. What did transform Andrew was this. Jesus rises from the dead and the apostles are still kind of floundering, trying to make sense of the resurrection. And Jesus appears to them and rebukes them because of their lack of faith. Forty days after Jesus has risen from the dead, on Mount Olivet, the apostles and some of the disciples are there. And Jesus gives his last message. Go out to the whole world. Teach them what I taught you. 
Then baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Behold, I am with you always until the end of the world. Then Jesus, before their eyes, he ascends. He ascends and he passes through the clouds where he sits at the right hand of God the Father. That still was not enough. In the movie of Father Patrick Payton, there's a, there's a charming scene where before our Lord ascends into heaven, one of the apostles, maybe it was an angel, one of the apostles says, Lord, how are we going to go and, and preach and convert the whole world? Well, we don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know anything. How are we going to do it? And Jesus did not, he doesn't deny that. But rather, Jesus says, before you go, go to the upper room. It's called the Senegal. Go with my mother. And for those nine days and nine nights, it was not an Ignatian eight-day retreat, but a nine-day retreat. Yes. A charismatic retreat, right? They spent time in silence, penance, prayer with the Blessed Mother. And after nine days and nine nights, nine-day retreat, something happened. It was Pentecost Sunday. It's almost as if there were an earthquake and a strong wind that shook the very foundations of that, that place called the Senegal. Mm -hmm. And then on the top of the heads of these apostles was what? A flame of fire. Okay, it was like a, a flame of fire, right? Yes. On the top of their heads which was symbolic of? Uh, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descending upon them and is descending upon the church. This is actually the birthday of the church. Yes. The birthday of the church. Who was there? Was Peter, James, John, and Andrew was there. So, it has to be said that that retreat that first novena, that time with the Blessed Mother, that time in silence, that time in deep prayer that facilitated the coming of the Holy Spirit. Consequently, as a result of that downpouring of the gift of God, which is the Holy Spirit, the gift of gifts, the Holy Spirit, there was a Radical transformation. Radical transformation. The brother of Andrew, Peter, gets up and he gives the Pentecost homily. Here was a man, in the words of Adrian Rod, he stammered and stuttered. He couldn't get those words out of his, out of his mouth, thir holy thirds. He couldn't even say that Jesus was the Lord. He denied him three times yes, before the cock crowed. He gets up and he gives a homily. A lot of converts. You know how many converts? 3,000. It's a lot, isn't it? Yes, Bob. 3,000 converts in one homily. I wish I had three converts every, every <laughs> homily, no? Maybe even two. Maybe even one, no? A 
a huge tidal wave of, con of conversion. Oh, the man who denied that, he denied that Jesus was the Lord just a few days before. And then they were baptized. This Simon Peter, who's the brother of Andrew, is going to be the first pope. You know how, how he's going to die? Like Jesus, and hint, hint, like his brother. Simon Peter was actually, he died as a martyr. He died crucified. And according to tradition, he was heading to the outskirts of Rome, and the Via Appia. And then as he's heading out, this is the time of Nero, he met Jesus, who appeared to him carrying the cross. And Simon Peter said, Domino quo vadis. Lord, where are you going? Lord, where are you going with that cross? Jesus was heading back to Rome. Peter was escaping from Rome. Lord says, I'm going back to Rome to be crucified a second time. Peter understood. He understood that he was now the vicar of Christ. What Jesus underwent, he had undergone it also. So Peter goes back to the place which is called the Vatican. There was a hill. Mm -hmm. Like the hill of Calvary, the yeah. hill of the Vatican. Okay, okay. And he's going to be crucified. St. Paul was beheaded because St. Paul was a Roman citizen. Peter was not a Roman citizen. That's right. But he ends his life in Rome, as, as well as St. Paul. So he's going to be crucified. But Simon Peter says before he's crucified, I... I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus. I want to be crucified upside down. So Simon Peter was crucified upside down over what is the Vatican Hill. I was ordained. Now over the Vatican Hill you have a basilica. The basilica is called the Basilica of St. Peter's which is the most frequented religious monument or place in the world than Our Lady Guadalupe. And his remains, his bones, are underneath the major altar. So when I was ordained in 1986 by John Paul II, who's the successor, Peter, number 264, right? Mm -hmm. I was ordained right over the altar I celebrated my first mass in the altar under which that under under which you have the remains of Saint Peter. That's beautiful. Impressive, huh? Yeah, very impressive. Wow. But what about Andrew? Andrew did not die according to tradition in Rome. He died in Patras, which was a part of Greece. It's interesting that he was one that brought the Greeks to Christ with Philip. Yes. He ends up in Greece, but not with a warm welcome. No. Well, in a certain sense, his preaching there had a powerful impact, and there were going to be converts. 
But he preaches the word of God and he encounters a lot of blood hostility. And he dies as a martyr. He dies as a martyr. And the way that he dies as a martyr is he's crucified like Jesus, like his, his brother Simon Peter. But different from Jesus, Jesus was crucified the different ways that the Romans were crucified. Certain sense in, in torturing, they were pretty creative. <laughs> yes, Certain creativity in the way they would, in the lives of, uh, of subjects that would not subject themselves to them. So, Andrew was crucified in the form of an X but not with, the, not with nails. He was actually crucified with, with ropes. He was roped to this, this cross in the form of an X. And I was studying, preparing for our conversation this morning, um, the death of uh, Andrew and the beautiful prayers and with St. Andrew before he dies, he praises and thanks the Lord for the cross, that he was able to die on the cross the way Jesus died. Beautiful prayer. Yes. St. Andrew's prayer to the cross, in which he's just pouring out his heart in gratitude, in gratitude that he could die the same way that Jesus died by being crucified. What holiness. Yes. A real sign of holiness. Now, Peter's death by crucifixion, Peter asked to be crucified upside down, probably was over pretty quickly. Jesus died on the cross. How long was he on the cross? Three hours. Yeah. Yeah, they say about from 12 to 3. Mm -hmm. The mercy hour is 3 o'clock, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, we don't know the time that Peter was on the cross. Prob probably not too long. And Jesus, 3 hours. Paul making companion. It happened quickly. Mm -hmm. Andrew, according to what I heard and read, was on the cross... One version says he was on the cross for two days. Another one says he was on the cross for three days. Can you imagine hanging on a cross, a rope to a cross, for an hour? No, Father. How, how about for three days? That, that's, that's why his name is Manly. Yeah. And that took a lot of courage, didn't it? Yes, it did. Now, when he was on the cross, what do you think he was doing? He was obviously talking to God. But as he hung on the cross, many people were underneath that cross. And guess what he did? He was preaching. He was preaching our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's preaching Christianity. 
He's preaching Catholicism. He was preaching the gospel. So he ends his life hanging on the cross, suffering, and probably, it's not written, but probably the way he did die, if you're hanging on the cross, sooner or later you have no, lo no longer any energy, and you know, he probably couldn't breathe mm -hmm. the coronavirus. Jesus, right? Yes. You're hanging on the cross, what happens is little by little, your energy is depleted, and it's almost as if your um, your your pulmonary tract starts to sink in. You know, it sinks in, and you can no longer inhale and exhale. And if you can't inhale or exhale, it's the end of your life. Yes, it is. What a beautiful way to end his life, dying the way his older brother died, well, dying the way Jesus died dying by means of crucifixion. And right now, right now St. Andrew is in heaven. And St. Andrew is one of Jesus' best friends. When you're doing your holy hour, you've got a lot here, and I haven't gone through the readings because I'm just so enthusiastic about this saint that I, I thought I'd just talk spontaneously about the many, many aspects of the life Let's ask for these graces. One, let's be like Andrew to bring people to Christ. Number two, let's not give in to envy or jealousy or to compare ourselves. And number three, let's pray that like Andrew, that we'd establish a deep friendship with Jesus Christ, especially in this season of Advent. Let's ask Mary. For me and behind, and thou hast broken my heart and mind. Oh, me, thou hast laid thy hands. Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com.